Today on Happy Set Confused, legendary podcaster, actor, writer, director, comedian, Ricky Gervais. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Uh, welcome to a, uh, yeah, I've said this before, I always say, oh, this is a special podcast. This is a, this is a meaningful one for me. Uh, people ask me who's on my list of people I haven't talked to, who I've wanted to get in here for the podcast. Ricky Gervais at top at the top of that list absolutely has been for several years um i've been such a huge fan of his work of course going back to the office and extras those two in particular such classic influential pieces of work that um influenced all of pop culture but but certainly my my own work uh certainly has been uh, impacted very much by his em- em- embracing of the awkward, his embracing of uh, extras of skewering celebrity, um, his just no holds barred approach to, to comedy is something I, I really respect. Um, I think he is just a, you know, he's not a triple threat. He's a quintuple threat or something. He can do everything so well. So I was so, so thrilled to have him on the podcast. I actually had an opportunity to spend, um, a bit more time than even on the podcast with Ricky in the, this past week. I did a Q&A with him uh, in front of an audience for, for an event promoting Afterlife, his new show on Netflix. And then uh, uh, Ricky was kind enough to come in for a, a long conversation here, and he was uh, a delight. Um, I should mention his new show, which is, is getting some really great reviews. It's getting a tremendous response. I really, I really enjoyed it. It's called Afterlife. It is currently available on Netflix. Uh, just six episodes. I just plowed right through them. Honestly, I just binged them. It was not a chore. It was something. It was a delight. It really was. It's a, it's, a, it's an odd show in that it, it, it sounds on its face to be kind of dark and depressing. It, it, the premise is, is that it's about a guy dealing with loss uh, and, and, and grief. He has just lost the love of his life. Life, his his wife, um, but he kind of takes that um, that horrible event and and uses it as an opportunity to just sort of say and do anything and just be kind of like the uh, the unfiltered version of himself. Uh, and therein lies the comedy. But it, but it is also. Um, truly uh, emotional and moving at times it's it's a it's a really unique blend and certainly um something that uh in some ways moves ricky into areas he hasn't explored yet um and in other ways calls back to um the emotion and comedy that was even there right from the start in the office um so check out afterlife it is on netflix right now uh i highly recommend it um i'm not going to say too much more because the the main event today really is this conversation with someone i i so admire he is uh, one of the funniest men on the planet. So why, why waste time with my prattling on? Uh, here he is, the one and only Mr. Ricky Gervais. I, I'm eating those grenade bars too now. Yeah, they're just they're um they're so I don't snack on rubbish when I'm hungry. No, me too. But then I eat like five of them. I know it's it's, it's <laughs> like, I'm like it's still slightly better than. I, that's how I rationalize it until know, some yeah. horrible form of cancer derived well, from grenade bars comes. At me. I know. Yeah, you never know, do you? Something get hit by a bus. You can be lovely and healthy. Exactly. Some people turn down the pudding on the Titanic. You could <laughs> you could be hit by a, a bus full of grenade bars. And exactly. Just, it all just exactly. The irony. It's of a lovely. <laughs> like a poem. Exactly. Um, as you can see, this is a super cash, uh, sir. Thank you so much for coming by. My pleasure. We started. Well, yeah, why it's not? hard to tell. It is hard to, in these weird podcast times that you've you really created these. It's your fault for the podcast. Yeah, but I feel like thing. I've come for a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where's your, where's we, we your resume? Explain. This where's is just this is just his office, and he's stuck up two mics, which is that's all you need. I mean, I'm not <laughs> not being funny about it, but it's a bit odd. It is a little odd. We're also very close. We're leaning into the table. <laughs> You're leaning in. It's like we're going to do an arm wrestle. <laughs> That's, that's the end of the podcast. It's the last exactly, 10 minutes. Exactly, I hope we've been training. Yeah. Well, we used to do the podcast. There's literally a studio through this wall. That's a more conventional studio. Right. And yes, the sound quality is probably 20% better. But it just feels like this is home for me. And sometimes if I don't know the person, this gives them a sense of who I am. Sure. And it's a little bit of a shortcut. It's a, power, familiarity. It's a power thing then, it's isn't it? It's totally a power move. And you give me a lower chair and there's a light <laughs> shining in my face. Yeah. Good. You'll find the chair also lowers very subtly throughout. <laughs> that's, that's Every right, five yes, minutes, I feel more and more inadequate. Great. 
Come on in. What have you got for me? I have nothing. Um, we had a, we had a blast the other night. Thanks again for uh, spending all this insane amount of time with me. But it's all for a good cause. We're promoting your wonderful show. And it was actually lovely. I sort of dread those events. And then um, the the crowd were amazing. It played well. You were great. The questions were great. It was like I always feel slightly guilty that I ever worry about those things because right. they're always okay. But I it, it's it's because when I put something in. That, uh, like three weeks' time, that's three weeks of me thinking I'd rather be sitting at home in my pants drinking wine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If they just... Uh, oh, we're doing a thing to... I go, OK, if I'm there anyway, it's, it's, it's over with. But it's that... It's, it's that the anticipation, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, I'm definitely going to be having to... Do, I, I'll have a choice to do something better that night and it will be sitting <laughs> at home in my pants <laughs> drinking wine. So, yeah, everything has to compete with that. So the secret is really just to book you, like, like with 30 minutes' notice. Then you're fine. I guess so. Super chill. Uh, uh, yeah, jump out. I mean, I was lazy when I was poor. So imagine what it takes now to get me out of bed. Were you? You were... <laughs> Okay, okay. Well, here's okay. So you're in a good mood, then, rightfully so, because the reception's pretty great. I've never had a reaction like this. And um, I, d I don't mean just reviews and, you know, friends and all that. I, I mean, the Twitter reaction is insane. I literally can't keep up with the tweet. And humanity was good, but this, I think this is like five times the traffic of humanity. So I don't know what that's a reflection of. I assume it's. Um, a, a, a good marketing, the fact that, you know, Netflix send out an email, it get, you know, 150 million people get it in their inbox. Yeah. You know, for and, and the front cover... So, for, for a few days, I, I'm like, Google. You've got to see that word, Google. Whatever right. you went to see, right. you see Afterlife on the Netflix page. And so people go, oh, I'll give it a go, and then they binge watch it. And, and uh, so the model is incredible. The right. Netflix model is incredible. I mean, it's still got to be good. I was going to say, you actually have to oh, deliver. Oh, you, you have to deliver. <laughs> no, you have to deliver. Yeah, so... Um, but uh, I think the traffic, the, the, you know, assume what you do is, you know, good enough to, for people to watch... Um, the traffic's been insane because of the, the success of Netflix, yeah. you know, it, and and social media. I know I don't know what it had been like with the Office, but um, it, it wasn't around then. But uh, uh, I think it's more a reflection of it's that binging um, plus Netflix, which is the internet plus social media. Yeah, it's been insane. Yeah. Do you feel like I mean, do you steal yourself before like a big launch like this? And I know these these shows that you self generate yourself, and they're, they're so much your baby are 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 very important to you, needless to say. But, like, there, there's baggage, good and bad, that goes with everybody's name, and especially your name. I feel like people come to your shows and your your all your whatever you do with preconceived notions. Yes. Of, uh, I, mean, I, I agree. More And more than anyone else I know, any other comedian... <laughs> it's like... Um, I, it's odd. Whenever I do a sitcom like this, which, I mean, it's not a traditional sitcom, obviously. It's a, it's a you know, comedy drama. But it, it, it's people... They seem to judge me against um, one person uh, uh, when extras came out, one um, journalist said, uh, this is sub Dickens. And I think, well, why are you judging me against Dickens? <laughs> it, what are we, everything sub Dickens? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, is it, is it, is it, isn't, that's a bit, that's a bit unfair. So yeah, people come to me right. uh, with, uh, I, I, I hated him in the office, or, or <laughs> I hated his uh, stand-up, but I'll give this a go. But, um, uh, as I look at these tweets, and I try to like them all, and I, I, it's, it's, it's um, I've had, I've even liked tweets that said, I hate Ricky Gervais, but this show's really great. And I think it's like I'm... That's a like, major endorsement in a way. Well, and it's like I think I'm training them. OK. <laughs> I'm giving them positive <laughs> feedback for being nice. Right. 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 Ignoring them in there. So... Um, <laughs> you just imagine them on the other side looking at that being yeah, like, what? Exactly. You like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, it, it is nice to um, view what people are thinking and saying. But, of course... Um, uh, it's nicer when it's all lovely. Yeah. You know, if this was, if there were snotty ones or, you know, even 50-50, you right. think, you, you remember the 50 that didn't like it, right. you know, so this has been pretty unanimous, more so than anything I've done, actually. And, and just to give a little exposition out of the way, uh, so the show is Afterlife, um, it's, it, 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 the premise it, it seems to be very dark, and it is very dark. It is very dark. dark. No, it is very dark, and the, and the premise is, it, it's uncompromised, and obviously... 
a dramatic story, slightly high concept. So it hits the ground running. You see my wife on a laptop that I'm watching um, in bed looking pretty sad. And uh, um, she's uh, going through chemotherapy. Um, and she says, if you're watching this, I'm not around anymore. Um, I couldn't say any of this to your face. Um, too embarrassing. Not for me, for you. Uh, not for you, for me. Yeah, you, you were never any good at hearing how nice you were. Um, and then uh, she said, but you're absolutely useless. And she leaves a, a guide of quite mundane things like when to take the bins out and, um, you know, how to fill the dishwasher and change the salt. And it's quite sweet. Cause you, so, so you know, I've lost my wife. She was the love of my life. She's being stoic. She cares what happened before she's, she dies. Uh, and I'm, I'm a broken man, so that, that's it. And so the high concept came to imagine you lost everything, what would you do? Okay. Um, and he decides, well, first he decides to kill himself, but the dog's hungry, so he feeds the dog, which I think you would do. Um, uh, I certainly would. Uh, and that gives him long enough to think, and he says, OK, I'm going to do this living thing for a while at least, but I'm going to punish the world. I'm going to punish the world for this. This is unfair, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start saying and doing exactly what I want from now on because I've got nothing to lose. Right. And he treats it like a superpower. He says, you know, I've always got, I, I do what I want from now on, and then I've always got suicide to fall back on. Um, so it is very dark, but there is comedy in that for two reasons. I think one, um, we live vicariously through his freedom. We all go, I wish, oh, I wish I could say that. I haven't got the nerve or something. You know, the mugging scene. Right. We hand over our money because we don't want to get hurt. Or we've got a baby in a stroller or they know where we live. He says, I've got nothing to lose. Bring it on. So it's that sort of freedom. And I think the other part of the comedy where all comedy comes from in sitcoms, uh, even one slightly strange, is it's usually a, an ordinary guy trying to do something he's not equipped to do. Yeah. That's what we're laughing at. And what he's trying to do is become a bad-ass psychopath. Right, right, which is against his nature. It's not him. He can't do it. Yeah. He can't do it because, you know, the, it, it, if you look back, if you, once you've seen the whole thing, you look back and you realise that, actually, he was nice to the vulnerable people. He was nice to his dog, his nephew, the old lady in the graveyard who was kind to him, the new girl who was, you know, scared and in the headlights. He he was is naturally a nice, caring person still. Yeah. So you can't pretend to be a psychopath if you're not one, uh, um, amongst other themes in it. And it basically asks the question, if you lose everything, is life still worth living? Right. That's the question it asks at, at the first few minutes of the show. It, it must be a different kind of um, a satisfaction you get from something like this versus, like, you know you can make people laugh. Yes, it's exactly right. I should be able to make people That shouldn't be a revelation. People saying you're funny, I should go, well, I should be because I get paid an awful lot of money to be. Right. It's like saying to a doctor, oh, you know what that rash is? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> well, I went to school for it. Kind of. exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and so, yeah, when they say it made me cry, that means a lot to me. When they say I was crying and laughing, that's the best. And, and that that's by far, uh, I think 95% of people have said that. Uh, one minute I'm crying, one minute I laugh, which is great because that's what life is. And, um, you know, uh, fiction is real life with the boring bits taken out. So it's right. turbo. He's really sad and he's really rude. And, uh, you know, you you really laugh and then you're really sad. And um, so I am very proud of that because uh, uh, it's slightly more ambitious than um, uh, that I've, than I've done before, I yeah. think. Um, uh so yeah, it is, and I think, and I think um, what's weird is, all you have to do is just be honest. It's not there's no secret to it. There's no revelation. It's just I decided to, as I got older, just be more, more honest and braver. And I think most people start off with good intentions, like I'm going to do an uncompromised thing, right? Right. And then someone interferes and go, oh, you know, you you'll get less viewers if you do that on the posters now, or do you really want to say that? That's a bit. And it's soon it's watered down, and it's like everything else, right? And I think what happened there, and I, uh, and it's because we second guess people. It all the things that I deal with in this show is what everyone deals with every day and talks about and jokes about and celebrate. Right. But when you suddenly go on and tell you people go, oh, can people take it? I want to go. Well, of course they can. It's happening 
in their real life, why couldn't they watch it on the telly? Right. And and that's what's odd to me. The people go, yeah, no, it's really good. It's really true to life and everything, but shouldn't put it on the telly. Why not? So that's what, madness. What, what, what do you think enables you to go to these places or want to go to these places that most people don't? I mean, could you... Because it's like I don't patronise the audience. Yeah. I've seen the future. <laughs> I know they. I know they can take it, right? Because I can take it, right? And I've, I, I, we have conversations about these things every day, and everyone can take them, and everyone's grown up about them. It's like in my stand-up, um, I deal with taboos for a, for a reason. I want to take the audience to a place that hasn't been before. Um, but as soon as people hear the subject, they think, "Well, this is a comedian, so he's take he's making fun of something," right? Um, as opposed to thinking, "Well, it depends what the target is." Right. And I've I've heard people on posh. Podcasts and radio shows discussing whether Ricky Gervais should joke about that subject. And I go, well, you're talking about it. Exactly. And that's what I'm doing. I'm just doing it in a funny way and a bit quicker than you. Right. So <laughs> it, uh, the, uh, comedy and, and art and everything, it's a discussion. It's just a disguised discussion. You know, people ask me why I did things. And I go, that's, that's what I thought of doing. I've no reason of doing these things. Right. People say, well, why did the, uh, you know, why did you give the drug addict that money? Well... Because it seemed like a more interesting story than not giving him the money. It's like, yeah. it, that's my thing. If you don't like it, you've got to write your own drama when you don't give the drug addict the money. That's what I want to say to people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I liked all those jokes. I didn't like that joke. Well, you've got, to, you've got to write a different one and you've got to do that. You've got to, do, you've got to make... Because that's what I'm doing in fiction. I'm perfecting the world. The scene with the, um, uh, the children's menu, that happened to me in real life. Right. And in real life, when she said, you can't have that, it's on the child's menu, I went, oh, all right. So 25 years later, I can go, no, this is what I should have said. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, have you always had a... Is it fair to say you've been preoccupied or not preoccupied with uh, with death, mortality? Is that something uh, that that's... Yes, but only in a comedic way, not in a real way. I've never... I've luckily never suffered from... Fear of it, or, or or any sort of depression, and it is luck. Um, uh, I've always I've always known it was the the biggest taboo, so I've always talked about it. And I think um, uh, I've given reason that I'm an atheist, so I, I don't fear death because I think it's the same as it's the, it feels the same as before I was born. Right. So there's nothing to fear. You won't know any better. Exactly. You don't. Exactly. It, it, that's the best thing about being dead. You don't know about it. It's like being stupid. It's only painful for others. So there's nothing to fear. Right. Fear. Fear pain. Fear. Fear, fear dying. How I die. Yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to die in agony. Or you know. Yeah. Of course not. Or found in a wardrobe wearing <laughs> ladies' tights. <laughs> Um, in pain, uh, like the again, combining it nitrate <laughs> orange in my mouth. If that ever does happen, I'm not into that stuff. So one of my mates has stitched me up. Oh, good. If, it's if, good if, to you, have if someone, you find yeah. me in the way you go, well, Ricky's told me he doesn't do this stuff. Code orange, go. So, so, so one of his mates has done this, and uh, they would. If you know my mates, they probably would do that to me. They would love me to be found like that. I died peacefully in my bed in my sleep, and they go, let's dress him up and put him in a wardrobe. <laughs> Have you thought? Because I, I had Fred Armisen in here, and he's already intricately planned his funeral. He wants it to be very scary. Yeah. He wants he wants to be creepy, organ music, everything. Yeah, I don't care, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, uh, I like to. Th the only reason I like to think it would be a nice funeral when people were crying is because that that means there's people around now who like me. Right. So that's it. I can't. Um, no, I think you should have. I think everyone should have one funeral when they're still alive. Oh yeah. Do the funeral when you're still alive. Just make it like it is, and you're you're secretly watching. You hear about it, and you go, "Yeah, that was nice." So we should look out but, for the first announcement of Ricky's death. Yeah. That's just a, a, a fake out. I mean, out. Lot of, not a lot of people get that big. Well, no one gets that big day. <laughs> they know they. You, if you get that big day, we you're de dead. We deserve that big day. And I do not mean this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I've told all my family that individually that I'm I'm going to give them my whole. Fortune. Right? <laughs> oh no! Yeah, that's going to so, be a little disappointing for and, some. More than it, it's going to be a fucking bloodbath. <laughs> it's going to be Game of Thrones. <laughs> 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 I want people to like me now. Yeah. yeah, but it amuses you to know that in the future exactly. they will kill yeah. each other for your vast fortune. I don't care about the you know the look on their face when that I leave the money and I'm dead. That's that no, does, no. that does me no good at all. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> it's a clerical error. I meant to exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did 
your your parents did, did your parents live to see your success? No, not really. Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, you know, they they still liked me. Um, <laughs> you were my right. dad saw my my mum saw I think the pilot of the office mm-hmm. and she didn't make it to. Uh, and then my dad saw a bit of the office and he went. Um, uh, uh, so uh, would they have been shocked? You think to see this trajectory in the last? Oh, I think it would have blown their mind. Although, I don't think they'd have been. They'd have been. I'm still their. I'm still their kid, and I'm still. I'm still my sister and brother's little brother. Right. You know, it doesn't mean anything. They're, they're not going. It's you know. It, yeah. it, it's like, uh, yeah. I, I I I don't go home with any attitude or airs and graces. Right. You know, I know my place. Um, I'm the. I'm, it means nothing in a way. Because one of the one of the fascinating things to me is like so when the office hit, you were what roughly around forty. Yeah, thirty-nine, right? So like it, it feels like to us that didn't know you, and most people didn't know you. You no. kind of came out fully formed. Of course, it was yeah. like this guy. Where who was this well, guy? Well, that, that's very true, and it sort of didn't. And and uh, for, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I uh, I've always done that. I've always people watched. I've always played around. I've always done impressions of people to make kids in the class laugh at the teacher and my family impressions of you know I've always done that right um, uh, uh, you know social satire um, so w- when it's saying it came out fully formed at 39 like it was my first go it wasn't right I've been honing my skills like anyone for um, you know f- 40 years nearly yeah you know for, from the dot I was like that and I, I was I was thought of that like um uh like comedians, there's that thing, uh, you know, some comedians have funny bones and some uh, have to work at it, right? And I always thought, oh, I've got funny bones. But actually, I don't know. Because when I started, because I was late, I had been working at it in pubs with right. mates and at home. So I don't, I, I don't know that that's, you know, I, I, like, I like to think I've got funny bones. Yeah. But because I, uh, I started so late, it's like doing exams in your 40s. It doesn't really count. I know I could pass all my exams and do, do my degree, right. but it's like, well, you should, you know. It, 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 um, so a comedian that starts at 18, that's why it takes them sure. 20 years to be funny. So I, starting at 39, you have got a little bit of an advantage. Yeah. You know? You're aware of your own inadequacies. I was already getting fat and old. I had a perspective, I had a voice, I had a confidence. I had a... The audience thought, well, this bloke's lived a bit, yeah. you know? So I think all those things look like I came out of nowhere and got it right first time, but not really. Well, and I was surprised to see that, like, again, looking back, immediately preceding the office, and correct me if I'm wrong, like, you were... You were it wasn't like you were completely unknown in, in where you were. Like you, didn't you have a chat show that you had just so, done? So my first... My first uh, Thing uh, I, I worked in an office for ten years, which is what the office was sort of based on. And so, you know, I, I must have been taking mental notes. And I'd I'd done David Brent as one of a few characters I did. I got a job on a sketch show, characters for a, a comedian in Britain in about uh, ninety seven, um, uh, and uh, I was on the radio around the same time, being funny on other people's shows, right. just turning up like I just worked there. And I did just work there. I wasn't a DJ. I was. Uh, um, I worked in the office. I went from one office to another office. It just happened to be a radio show. Right. So I popped up. I was meant to be writing them things and doing stuff for them and the news. And, and I said, oh, it'd be easier. Because my laziness. I went, I'll do it. Cause just because I couldn't be bothered to type out things for other DJs. So I went, I'll just pop on. And I popped on and I was funny. And it sort of built. And I always said, D- don't introduce me as a funny guy. Say, the guy who works upstairs. Right. So I always I, I knew about that Trojan horse. And I got a call from a new show in about 98. Um, while I was still on the radio, I, was, I only did that, sh- did that job for about a year. And it was a new show called The 11 O'Clock Show. Now, what it was like was um, sort of SNL, but off the charts. Like, the, the things they spoke about, swearing, it was just... Honestly, it was like they let teenagers take over television for half an hour. And it was everyone's least favourite and favourite show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, It was that bunker mentality, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, And I did that. And the first thing I did on that was... um, Because it was a a fake news show. Um, I did a reporter that got caught up in the story and started to editorialise. So I'd come out, and it was real stories of the day, and it would be like, um, uh, 
uh, nurses have uh, gone on strike today for extra pay. And, say, and then I go, don't get me started. Nurse, what are they? And I'd always, I'd always get it wrong. I played the sort of pub or right wing sort of bigot. Right. Um, before we found out that half the population were exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> That, that unfortunate <laughs> twist in 2016 or so. <laughs> um, and so that was the gag, really. That yeah. I, you know, I, 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 um, I mouthed off, and I shouldn't have been. I was the wrong person with a job, and I was sweaty in a bad suit and unshaven. So that was the that was the and the, found the, success, the, and that people responded. Yeah, to that. yeah, and they did. You know, they they were saying. Um, and I remember thinking that the whole show was shocking, but sometimes I went in the studio with the presenters, and I told the presenters to be shocked at what I said. So it looked like I was the most shocking. Right, on the already shocking show. And I wasn't. <laughs> it was, I was, you know, it was, just, it was just a little, it was like a marketing tool. Right. Um, just like I walk out of the Golden Globes and I pretend I'm a bit drunk and I might, I might say the wrong thing. I've written the jokes. I know exactly what I'm going to say. <laughs> it's marketing, you know? Um, so that was it. And then they offered me my own chat show, um, which was a sort of spoof chat show where I was still the wrong person for the job and I was meant to interview um, celebrities, right. but I'd, a- I'd accidentally insult them or uh, uh, it'd be more about me. So playing a version of yourself. A version of that, that same guy yeah. who'd, who went for the reporter to get his own chat show and he was bullish and, and, and you know, accidentally insulting. And... Uh, uh, and um, did you enjoy that? I did enjoy that. Yeah. It was my first thing and... and, uh, and uh, and I stopped that because the office was about to go into production. Um, and that wasn't I was too busy. I thought it would ruin the office because I wanted the office to people to... I didn't want to get too famous. Yeah. So I wanted the office to, for people to, to think... To buy that this for, guy was. For one minute, they thought it was a fake documentary. And we cast all unknowns. Now they're not unknowns either, obviously. Right. And, you know, in, in fact, by series two, you're not unknown. But at least you get that project out of the way before you confront it. Um... So that's the very fast no, yeah, uh, yeah. trajectory. I'm um, curious, in the intermittent years, have you ever been approached for talk shows? Like, have you been, like, off? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, uh, here and in England, yeah. Um, and that, here, that, this is the internet. Here, I'm in America. <laughs> here in my I'm office. In, I'm in New York <laughs> when I say here. Yeah, yeah. That's not intrigued you, though, to, to, get, to try your hand at, like, a broadcast or cable no, because, like, late night show? No. I mean, I did this job, so I didn't have to sit behind a desk uh, and work Every five, day. yeah. five days a week in a suit. Um, maybe one day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, it's not what I... I, don't, I mean, it'd be fun, but it's not what I do best. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's not quite um, it's not quite timeless and definitive for me because it's you have to churn it out. Uh, and again, as I say, throughout my career, um, my laziness has been mistaken for integrity more than once. <laughs> when I when I was uh, uh, looking back down the internet rabbit hole about you, I was reminded of, of an infamous uh, conversation you had with Gary Shandling. Yeah. So. Yeah. What what happened there again? So well, is, is um, that because for people that haven't so, seen it, it's a very awkward, seemingly is, conversation. Yeah, it is. It, it it's it's it, and I, I I find it hard to talk about because I don't think he was feeling well. Got it. At that time, I'd say that. Um, uh, and he's talked about it since, and he's been very gracious and said, "Oh, we tried something, it didn't work." And what he said was um, because uh, he'd invited me to talk on his right. uh, DVD extra about Gary Shandling because he knew I was a fan of uh, 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 um, Larry, Larry Sanders. Sanders yep. Sorry. And I said, yes. And I said, oh, and I'll interview you. Um, uh, and he, uh, he said he, he came in and he thought he was do- we were doing his thing. Right. You were both coming at it from your own shows. Yeah. And there was a w- kind of a strange... Yeah. Um, and that might be true, it might not. Mm. Um, but, uh, uh, but I still... Uh, I, I put it in and I, I celebrate it. He, t- he tried some things and he, and um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you I said kind things yeah, after he passed. And I know. It was, and yeah, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was all still a, here. That that wouldn't affect me. That wouldn't. I I I, I, won't want, I wasn't one of those people that said, "Oh, never meet your heroes." Right. He was. He's still. He's still a genius. He was still lovely and off air. He was lovely and talking about. You know, he he just tried something that people thought. Oh, Oh my God! He's they hate each other, which just which just isn't true. Right? It was just, you know, a thing that he was doing. That, uh, um, yeah, got it. Yeah. Um, I know we're bouncing around a bit, but sure. um, 
uh, I'm fa- kind of fascinated by like sort of the because I, I was a fan from the start, at least or at least from the start when The Office hit, um, of sort of the trajectory your career took in terms of acting. Like yeah. what? Like it felt like, it felt to me from the outside looking in that. You know, you had this this amazing opportunity, like you your profile just like exploded. And then for a second or two, you kind of played the Hollywood game or or, 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 yeah. or, or kind of like okay, I'll, never, I'll, I'll play in their sandbox a little bit. Although I never did really. I think people thought that because um after the office, I think the first thing I did was uh I popped up in three uh Episodes of the biggest movie franchise ever, right? Um, which was uh, Night at the Museum. Now right. that was me returning the favour for Ben Stiller doing extras. Mm-hmm. That's all that was. And then I did one. Then I said, oh, "They got two. You got." I go, "All right." <laughs> and I remember, and I loved doing it, and it was fun. They said your scenes are with Ben, and I remember cutting every appearance. I was I cut it down to two days at the weekend because I was doing something, right? Um, but of course, you pop up in a film that makes a billion dollars. And it looks like you're everywhere. Right. And you're, you know, so that was never the intention. Um, my first film that I took, uh, I was offered a film when the second episode of The Office went out. They called me from all over and said, I said, I said, who's the lead? And they said, you are. I went, who's going to go and see that? <laughs> and I said, you want John Cusack? And they went, oh, okay. Now I put the phone down and I thought, that'll show integrity. Now what they probably thought was, what an idiot. <laughs> what an idiot turning down a film. But I, I you know, I, I um, uh, uh, JJ offered me, JJ Abrams, um, he loved The Office and he, he got me an email and said, come and do Alias that right. was on. And I did an acting role and I haven't watched it. <laughs> I haven't watched it. I loved Alias, but I haven't watched me because it was my first role being serious. And it's, it's not my, th- I get no joy out about seeing my fat face on telly or film. Where, my joy comes from coming up with right. the idea and building the thing. And then he offered me a part in Mission Impossible. Then he say, offered me a part yeah. in Star Trek. And I, and I was busy and, and it's not my thing. So for all the things I've popped up in, I've said no to uh, 50 times that. But it still looks... The first thing well, I did that I was committed to, and I thought, no, this is a good thing, and this is the, it was written for me, and I thought, if I don't do this, I'll never do a movie, was Ghost Town. Right. And so, still not mine, though. I still, don't, cap, right? yeah, yeah. I still don't count that as my movie. Yeah. Even though we sort of collaborated, and he let me do, you know, and, you know, I was the, my first lead in a real Hollywood film with one of the greatest writers, and, you know, uh, I still don't count that as mine. Yeah. Um, so, uh... uh that was it, really. Um, I can't think of any. What else did I do? Um, well, those are Stardust. You did uh, a little thing with Matthew Vaughn. Oh, again, again. Um, you know, a, a friend and um, yeah. just said, "Come on." I said, "Yeah." You know, uh, uh, um, you could still be running around the world watching Tom Cruise hang off planes to this yeah. day. Well, that was what, what my fear was. If I took a big role in a film that wasn't mine, I have no say. Right. I'm in my Winnebago for seven hours a day and then I pop up and do one thing and they go oh, we've lost the light I'll see you tomorrow and I go I can't <laughs> I finish at four when I'm filming my own so it is it's partly I, I, I'm only excited about the creation of it partly um, I'm a power freak and I can't I can't sit around and not be in charge you know that drives me mad partly I really do get no joy about seeing my fat face unless I've created the thing. So there know? hasn't been, like, an opportunity, an audition, a thing in, like, the last five, ten years that you've re- really kind of, like, no, wanted to put yourself out for? It's just no, 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 all not the time. A- but not because... Listen, half the things you get offered aren't very good. Yeah. The half that are, are good, uh, uh, um, I'm still like, excited about them because it's not mine. Uh, uh, and then, am I busy? Am I doing something better? Why would I... Um, uh, oh, I did the Muppets again. Mm-hmm. I love the Muppets, and it's a friend. James Bond was a friend, and I thought that'd be fun. Right, and it was in London, so it was it. So, um, I, I honestly do think how how hard is this going to be? I was offered the uh, Winston Churchill role, um, and they they badged me for age, and I kept saying no, no. Even my agent was saying it's going to be a great movie, and uh, uh, and as Jane pointed out, I'm playing. A 62-year-old Winston Churchill. She said, "You'll be in makeup three hours a day." And I went, "Yeah, correct. No, definitely not." But my main reason was I'm not the right person for the job. Right. There's there's better people to do that. There's people who love dressing up and doing voices and and being in character for years. I, I'm not I'm not one of those people. Yeah. I want to start writing my next project or going on tour. 
you know, I, I'm. This is my. Well, you're fun. spoiled in a way, in a great way. You've, I know. You've created this amazing infrastructure where you can, thanks to all the great work you've done, yeah. you have this creative license now, and you have the outlet with Netflix. It's sort of like there's why nothing, fuck there's, this up. Yeah, like, there's nothing <laughs> I'd rather be doing. You know, my my favorite films of all time. If they said we've got a. You've got to do this, but you can't do this next project. It's no, right? It's no. If it's easy and down the road, and you know, yeah, why not? But I honestly, um, I, I don't care for that. I don't care for that sort of. You, uh, you've kind of imitated the the, the, the model in a, in a different kind of way. And his name is now, for right reasons, like taboo to talk about. But like Woody Allen, who I know was like an influence for you growing up. He was a huge influence yeah, to me. Yeah, well, well, I thought um, uh, he was. Um, uh, I remember seeing uh, Play It Again, Sam. I just thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen yeah. him. That the the wrong person, the the putts, <laughs> um, and also in Annie Hall um, when he was making her laugh and she laughed. I thought that's new because usually they're sort of above the comedy in a movie. Right. Like they're saying funny things, but they're not laughing. It's like they don't know they're being. Right. And, and and I took that and I did it the other way. I did it with David Brent. When he thought he was funny and he wasn't, and right. you didn't see that happen very often either, <laughs> like a joke falling flat, you know, like where everyone in Friends is funny, handsome and, and, and funny all the, the time, and there's no acknowledgement of it. Just yeah, move on the, the audience are cracking up because they're witty, <laughs> whereas what if someone isn't witty, you know? Yeah, um, you'd actually be pissed off at your friend, be like, "I just said something really funny." Actually, yeah, could you? Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I um, uh, he he was not my biggest influence. I'd I'd, I'd say. Um, uh, I'd say maybe people like Christopher Guest. Yeah. Um, that I mean, that to me is a sublime. Um, I don't go and see comedy films because I can't take the risk. I think, well, what, what, why? Why do you do a film about? Co- it should be funny all the time. There's, there's, right. there's funnier podcasts than you know. But there's there's ten exceptions, uh, to me. It, you know, Spinal Tap, uh, uh, a couple of Woody Allen's. Um, you know, and then lately, uh, I, I, Airplane. Team America. I just thought, right, okay, that's there's something you know, about the, the, that absurdist broad comedy that 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 often will last longer in some ways. Like there's something just so instinctual about Airplane. I feel like it's crazy, and it was new. Yeah, it was new, and it was so dense and fun, just funny, funny. Um, and uh, you know, I love things like The Simpsons and Family Guy. Again, that it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. Um, Whereas I don't, I don't sort of see the point of going to see a wry comedy or a knockabout comedy or a, an amusing romantic comedy or a, you know I just think yeah. I can't, I, it's not essential and also now it's not essential to pay twenty dollars to go to the, it's like Netflix of sort of again you know if if you want to get me off the couch watching Netflix this has got to be a major event you know sure. or. Or I'll watch that film on a plane. Yes. You know, on a four-inch screen, as the director intended. <laughs> as Christopher Nolan always imagined. Is, um, but, yeah, I've got nothing... It's, um, it's all personal choice. And, um, uh, and everyone's the same. It's just that people like me don't usually say it. Like, um, yeah. I, I, I'm doing my thing because that's what I like doing. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I am spoiled. Every d- I want to have fun every day. Yeah. I don't want to d- not look forward to one hour of one. D- I don't. I, it, not, it makes me angry. I, I loved what you said the other day at our Q and A when you were, we were talking about people like cracking up uh, on set, and you're like, "Why get mad at that? We're actually, you're laughing doing yeah. your work. Your work. <laughs> Think of a job, any other job when you're you can't do it because you're laughing. Yeah. You know, you you don't get away with that in a hospital. You can't do your job because you're laughing so much. <laughs> well, you're fired. You're fired. Be worse that patient be worse was very up. offended. Yes. You know, <laughs> it's like what a joy that yeah. is, and that's that. That's that's exactly it. When I'm doing my thing, and I'm, I've got I've surrounded my friends, and I'm f- making them laugh and being paid. There's nothing I'd rather be doing, even though I still stop at four because I want to get home and get on the couch <laughs> with a glass of wine. So I want I want it all. Yeah. I want to create this. Uh, I want to wake up. In the morning, and go. I've got an idea. I want to do the idea. I don't want to stay the welcome. I want to be at home, and I want to have a, a a real life. And and I never forget. Real life is more important either. I never I never forget that. I never say this is going to be traumatic, but it's going to it's going to win an award. I go. It's, it's was an award. Right. You can't sell them. They're not worth anything. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I've tried. That, I know that real life is more important. In in this bizarre age of like quote unquote cancellation culture, are you kind of shocked that you 
people haven't tried to cancel Ricky Gervais? Well, like, I'm sure they have. I'm sure they've started it. But um, uh, unless you break the law, there's nothing anyone can do. If I, if I make jokes that people don't like, um, their, their only form of um, uh, protest or censorship is for them not to ever watch me again. Right. And I'm really happy with that, you know? And they can try and stir up stuff, but, you know, it's when a... When you say a comedian gets in trouble, again, if he hasn't actually broken the law and done something, they're not in trouble. They're selling more tickets. They're selling more tickets by yeah. people being outraged. Uh, um, so, no, it, 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 you know, it annoys you at first. Then you sort of embrace it and use it. You know, I sometimes go looking for um, trouble because I, I monetize it. I sometimes tell trolls that they've, they've, they've just made me about 200 grand. <laughs> with that tweet, because I'm going to say that on stage, it's five minutes, I'm going to play to 800,000 people, <laughs> and then it's going to be percentage of, I, I, you know... My so, accountants have cracked the numbers. You've literally yeah. just made me. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so, no, it doesn't bother me. I've, I'd never be upset. Yeah. By, I'd no, I've never been upset by anything on Twitter. I've never... Um, I mean, if someone libeled me, I'd probably say, you know, but it's got to affect me in some way for me to even care. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah... And I mean, the uh, the John Wayne thing recently was right, right. Was, this under was near, Playboy near, interview, right? Nearly a spoof. The fact that this man, forty-eight years ago, in Playboy magazine, we're already we're talking, right? Not unearthed. It went out at the time. It's right. been around forever. Right. It wasn't found. Right. Um, wasn't woke enough. Said some awful things. Uh, uh, but this is 40 years after death. So people, when he was trending, right, saying, you know, this is terrible, he's a racist. I want to say, yeah, he's a, he's a dead racist. What, what, do we, what do you want us to do about it? What, what can we do about this? And I think that's what, I think that's what virtue signaling is, really. These social justice warriors sometimes, what they're doing is they're finding something that's bad and they're telling the world they're not like that. Right, it's about they're, them, it's about course, separating yourself from... Yeah. And there's some great spoofs now on Twitter, uh, Titiana McGrath and Jarvis Dupont, that are really out there, uh, social justice warriors. Who, that, honestly, they're the funniest tweets you'll ever see. Really? Yeah, because just being just being those people from cancel culture who are outraged by everything. It th th honestly, I I couldn't do them justice. But your listeners. Um, should uh, should check them out. Do, do you talk about this kind of thing with like friends or, or comedians? Like you know, like, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. This has to be the talk in all the rooms right now. It about is. where it's Kevin Hart's having to deal yeah. with this stuff. And again, the Kevin Hart thing. So, uh, a ten year old tweet. They were they were pretty silly and shitty and boring and you know homophobic. Yeah, and he apologized for them and he'd never done it again. Right. But then ten years later, he has to keep apologizing for it. Um, and you lose him a job, you know. So, um, and my point about that is, if you if you have to keep apologising for things you did ten years ago that you don't do anymore and that you've already apologised for, there's no value in improving. He might as well do the tweets again. Right. You know. Right. So wh where is this? Forgive me. Where is this? You know, I'm not a Christian, but I do like the let. Those amongst you who are seeing cast the first stone. I mean, that's a great. That's probably my favourite thing in the Bible, and the, uh, people forget that. People are hypocritical. Oh, they go after. They, oh, they want blood. It's Schadenfreude. It's it, it it's crazy. And I talk to other comedians, and they all agree with me. Some of them don't say it because they don't want the flack, but they agree with me. And you know what's most hated in the in the comedian fraternity? The comedians who join in and try and get someone cancelled. They are. They are prior traitors to the whether, the whether they think they whether they know it or not, um, they are they're hated more than the person that did a bad thing right. or said a bad thing. Um, we don't want to end uh, on too serious a note. So uh, our, our relationship we're going to play a game now. Uh, our relationship began with "fuck, marry, kill," Ricky, oh, as, as you may recall. Still my favorite, and I love how, how uh, worried everyone else was. <laughs> did it? So yeah, for context, for those that haven't seen it, it still exists on the internet, as everything does. Uh, we played "fuck, marry, kill" at the Night at the Museum, the third film, I think, junket. It was you and Ben, uh, yeah. and it the, was very uncomfortable. The, <laughs> the juxtaposition of your reaction, which was pure joy, of these very inappropriate "fuck, marry, kill" questions I asked about. Teresa and Gandhi and Martin Luther King. That yeah. was one scenario. Hitler was in there. There was Hitler, Mao, and um, Stalin. Stalin. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the big and, three. Yeah. 
and, and Ben, oh my God, poor, oh, poor Ben Stiller. He actually said, "I'm not comfortable with this." No, right? Yeah. What happened? Do you remember what happened after I left the room? Did he just uh, say, "That's my I day"? I think of press? he laughed. I'm done. I think he laughed. Okay, good. I good. think he laughed. He's, At one point, I was acting out. I was saying, "Go back and kill Hitler," and I said, "No, I'll go back and change him." <laughs> I'd go back and hug, and I'd hug him, right? And I hugged Ben, and he went, wait, am I Hitler in this? <laughs> I went, yeah. He went, oh, God, come on. <laughs> we've still, we, we've since uh, made up. He was here for the podcast recently. He's lovely. Um, he is, he's great. Would, uh, would you rather be two feet taller or shorter, Ricky? Do you know what? <laughs> uh, this is, well, this, what's really weird is, I did a really exaggerated version of this on my podcast. Did you really? I did. I asked. Um, I did. A, I've done a thing with Ashley Jensen because in extras, the thing was she kept asking me, um, "What would you rather do?" Yeah. And it got on my nerve. And so I, t- I turned the tables and I've asked her, but the most banal, weird ones. And I asked her, "Would she rather be ten foot or ten inches?" <laughs> and she said, ten inches." And I was going, "No, it's ten foot." I was, going, I was going, you'll be get, you'll get trodden on with yeah, 10 inches. Yeah, you're going to last She said, where would I get my clothes? I went, where would you get your clothes if you were 10? <laughs> At least no one would take the mickey out of it if you're 10 foot. You could get, you'd right. be a proper, you'd be like Game of Thrones. You'd be going around crushing yeah. cottages. You would be a multimillionaire in yeah. the NBA. Yeah. Okay, so two feet taller, that <laughs> makes me seven foot eight. Okay. Or three foot eight. Seven foot eight. I'd be seven foot eight because I... I, 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 you know, I, I'd be a basketball player or something, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't I? I think that's yeah. more practical. So it's ba- it's basically yeah. um, NBA or pantomime. <laughs> <laughs> your buddy, or your buddy Warwick, talk to him about that. Would uh, centaur or merman? Would you be a Cent- is the centaur the? Um, I think it's half fen- horse. Half, oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's a horse's body and a man's face. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a merman. I got a f- no. <laughs> So I'm, a f- I'm basically a fish with a head or a horse with a head. So basically what you're saying is, what would you rather be, a horse or a fish? Well, a fucking horse. Of course. Is this, is I didn't it? know it was such a no-brainer. Okay. Yeah. Would you rather be reincarnated? I don't know yeah. why mermaids are considered sexy. No, yeah, I, I agree. I'm with, I'm with you. I'm with you. Because you go, you look at the head and go, oh, nice face. Oh, nice hair. Oh, What twist. the fuck? <laughs> what, where, do I, where do I start? How does this work? I know. Although it's still better than the other way around. <laughs> Is it though? I mean, you oh, can, I think so. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, what you, can, are you, you thinking? Can, you can do your business. You're thinking, but you have to face the fa- the head of a fish. It would. Have it's to, like a fly. It it's would like be. A, the, you'd have like, to do it in the dark, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Pitch, pitch black. I know. Yeah. Let's. I'm even. I'm getting nervous about <laughs> taking this conversation too far. So I'd be, I'd be the horse running at 45 miles an hour with my little head. Think of me. Think of me going down the high street. Morning. It's Ricky. He's going at four. You know, traffic just going over cars. It'd be great. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Would you? <laughs> would you rather have uncontrollable farts that never smell? Yeah. Oh. Or. No, there's, no, there's no point. There's no point in that one. It's, 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 it's the or, second one. Or uncontrollable smelly farts that don't make a sound. That one. Okay, so you want to just like emit really yeah. horrible odor, but yeah. no one hears it. So yeah, I want to annoy people, and I don't even know it's me doing it. <laughs> that's a, like a that's a that would be a superpower. Right, for that's me. your Marvel hero. That's that your... would be a superpower. Just people throwing up, like so bad, like yeah. a sulfurous methane. That if, when oh. they go, they go, and they instantly vomit, and I pretend to be vomiting. Right. I'm going, who's that? <laughs> Who the fuck was that? Right, and it's like it'd be amazing. I'd yeah. clear out a, 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 the queue at Pret a Manger, right? And I go straight the queue. Just uh, it would be. You, you've uh, really looked at the bright side of this. You it would be amazing. This... <laughs> it would be amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you own any color in your wardrobe? Is it literally all like if I opened up your closet? Yeah. Is there a flash of color? Is there a yellow, an orange, a pink? I there's there might be a little bit in some suits that I don't wear anymore because I can't get into them. <laughs> um, I um, uh, no, it, all my t-shirts are pretty much yeah. black or grey. There might be a navy blue one. Do you Just... have a stylist? Have you ever had a stylist? <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, God. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the stylist, yeah. 
that's amazing. When I do a show, yeah, right, the, yeah. um, you know, the, the wardrobe the, uh, uh, costume person, um, uh, they try and get me not to wear a black T-shirt because they, they also know that I'm only doing it to keep the clothes after. So they, so like, there's, there's no coincidence that Derek was tracksuits and cardies, and there's no coincidence that Tony in this one was, was jeans and grey and black t-shirts. Listen, who cares? I like to be comfortable. I don't look good in Armani. There's no point. So I, I, I look. But don't shit. bring Armani down. Don't. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. I mean any Paul Smith Armani. Besides, there's no. I'm never going to look good, mm. right? So. I'm going to be comfortable. Right. I'm going to look shit whatever I'm in, <laughs> so I wear tracksuit bottoms. So uh, who am I trying to impress? Yeah. Um, I had people on the red carpet that was interviewing me, right? I'm up for a, I was up for a Golden Globe or Emmy a couple of years ago for Derek, and they were laughing at my shoes because they were too comfortable. <laughs> Who cares? Those countless people like Ryan Seacrest getting the camera to look at my shoes, oh. thinking, what is this? Is this not a fashion show? <laughs> uh, there was a big thing um, uh, when, uh, when our Prime Minister was Gordon Brown. There was a big thing in the paper, like, oh, look how scruffy he is. Good! He's a fucking Prime Minister. I want him to be scruffy. Yeah, don't worry about yeah. Don't spend 10% no, of your brain on your appearance. I want him to be worried about yeah. the state of the economy. <laughs> and homeless man. I want him to be... Yeah, I don't want him doing his fucking hair. <laughs> <laughs> I really think you might have cracked the code to life. I feel mm. like you forget Oprah. You know how to. I don't know. You've just you've you've cut through all the bullshit. Yeah, and you've learned how to be a happy person. But I did that. I worked out about fourteen. They don't have to go around the houses to be happy. What makes you happy? Just do that. Just do that straight away. Cut out the middleman. There you go. Yeah. Life lessons from Ricky DeRays. <laughs> um, uh, truly an honor to have you in here, that man. It's a pleasure. Uh, I'm such a fan of your work. Everybody should check out Afterlife. It's on Netflix. You have no excuse. It's in a gajillion homes. It's right there waiting for you in your in your box in your living room. Uh, but it's, it's honestly a great piece of work. I really Thank enjoyed you. it. I, I, I mean, just not to, to go down a, a dark hole at the end, but like I literally had just had like a very sad, untimely passing in my family when oh. like when this came uh, into my email box. And it was it was a, a really it was a wonderful laugh over a three hours but it was also a cathartic kind of a, an experience for me and i know a lot of people are feeling similar oh thank you very much cheers um thanks ricky as always cheers, Good to see and so ends another edition of happy sad confused remember to review rate and subscribe to this show on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts i'm a big podcast person i'm daisy ridley and i definitely wasn't pressured to do this by josh <laughs> 